0: Ready for a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda.
1: The queen is in the house.
0: She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here... She comes.
1: Well, thank you so much, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome. Hello there, my friends. Good day to you all, and welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is the 7th of December, and let's take a look at some of the headlines we will be covering. There's a lot of violence in this episode, I'm sorry. We got an entourage that got out of control, we had a referee get hurt, some DUI repercussions, we have a new star on the Walk of Fame, some Starfield drama, GTA 6 leaks, the box office, and more. Get comfy, everyone. Let's get started. Let's kick things off with some music news. <music> Members of a Florida rapper's entourage brutally attacked a young fan who had approached the musician for a photo on the night of November the 27th, leaving the fan with a concussion and a brain bleed. George Obergon the who is 20 years old, he's still in critical but stable condition following the Ruthless Beating outside of Club Sky down in Tampa where rap nardo Wick had performed earlier in the night. So Obregon walked up to Wick, whose real name is Horace Walls III, by the way, and he walks up to the, to Wick and the entourage after the concert and hoping, he's hoping to meet his, quote, favorite artist. Obregon had VIP tickets for the concert, but was just absolutely blindsided and knocked unconscious by one of the members of the entourage. And there was video. And it went everywhere. I watched it. This kid got rocked hard. They hit him. And he just kind of froze and slumped against the wall. Like he was stunned. and But didn't completely fall. And so then this second guy walks up. And delivers at least three more punches. As his fan. Who didn't even defend himself by the way. Just falls. And his head bounces right off the ground tampa police started asking for assistance and identifying the two suspects obergon's friend and witness connor via told tmz it's not like we were running or anything george is just walking towards nardo with his phone up and then the guys that were around him they didn't hit him at first they just kind of looked at him and he's like hey can i get a picture then out of nowhere the guy hits him from the side the outlet tmz also tames obtained photos of a text exchange between Michelle Obregon and Wick's mother who is also his manager by the way in which the former provided updates on George's condition now Wick has since reached out to the Obregon family and said so in a statement I don't condone what happened to my fan George after my show in any type of way I expressed to him and his mama how sorry and concerned I was that it happened to him Multiple times before anything was even posted on the internet. So that was a clip from the rapper's 2021 hit, Who Wants Smoke? And he condemned his entourage's attack and he said he can't control another grown man's actions. I sent his mama my number instantly the night it happened. I was even gonna make a post to try and find out who he was before his mama texted me. I can't control another man's actions. I ain't known that was going to happen, and I was mad when it happened. I tried to stop it, as you can see in the video. And if someone got all the longer video, you can see how mad I was. I love and appreciate all my fans, and I don't condone in what happened to all that S-gangster stuff, or it's not cool in any type of way, unquote. All right. This is absolutely horrible for this kid, but here's my problem. All right. Wick says he can't control their actions. Okay. They are, you know, they have free will. But why are the police asking the public for help in identifying these guys? This is Wicks entourage. He knows these people or his people know these people. That is inexcusable to me. So now two members of Nardo Wicks entourage have turned themselves into police. It took f- almost four days for this. One of them, Zachary Benton, age 34. The other, Edward Hamlet, age 15. They both surrendered to Tampa Police back on the 1st of December. Both have been charged with felony battery, and the younger one, 15 Hamlet, also received an additional charge for having possession of a gun as a minor. It's being reported that both of the suspects reportedly don't have a close relationship with Wick. Yeah, okay, they're probably saying that just to reduce Wick's involvement and responsibility. And the commenters online shared a lot of skepticism, and they were sharing opinions about you know, the length of time between the incident and the surrender and the fact that Wick has been in contact with the victim's family and going on about how is a 15-year-old involved. There's not a current update to Obergon's condition other than he just remains in critical status, so as soon as we know, we'll let you know just a horrible thing the video is terrible if you can handle watching that kind of thing go forth and look at it um i mean you don't see any blood or anything it's just it's just knowing how hard this kid got hit that's just disturbing and the fact that he's got this brain bleed that they're dealing with just inexcusable behavior so i'm gonna keep an eye on this one but for now let's go check out what's happening in sports So after everything else as well, athletes just can't seem to stay out of trouble, can they? Buffalo Bills linebacker Von Miller turned himself into police in a Dallas suburb on November the 30th after he was charged in a warrant with domestic violence against the mother of his children who is allegedly currently pregnant. Miller is the NFL's active leader in sacks with 123 and a half, which is 19th all time. Miller also has two Super Bowl rings from the 2015 season with the Broncos and the 2021 season with the Rams after Denver traded him to Los Angeles during the season. But he's since signed with Buffalo. Now, Dallas police confirmed that the 34-year-old Miller surrendered to police in the suburb of Glen Heights to face a charge of third-degree felony assault of a pregnant woman, which is punishable by two to ten years in prison and a $10,000 fine. All right, what happened? The alleged assault occurred on Wednesday, November the 29th, and this is according to the police affidavit. Officers wrote that Miller twice put his hands on the neck of the woman, pulled out a chunk of her hair, and threw her onto a couch. The woman was treated for minor injuries, and they were all documented, including bruising on her neck. The B- Miller was freed after posting $5,000 bond at the DeSoto Regional Jail in his hometown. Miller didn't return a text message from the Associated Press seeking comment. He's going through his legal team right now. The Bills had a buy that week, so they just were like, we're aware of the situation and we're just trying to gather more information right now. The woman in the assault and Miller have been in a relationship for seven years and they have multiple children together. According to the affidavit that supports the arrest warrant, Police were called on the 29th of November to the couple's apartment in Dallas after they got into an argument and police wrote that Miller became visibly angry when the woman went into the office in the apartment and slammed the door behind her. Miller then told her she needed to get out and when she tried to collect her laptop and her cell phone, Miller began pushing her. She repeatedly yelled, stop, I'm pregnant. She fell into a chair after being pushed and Miller then put one hand on her neck and held it with pressure for about three to five seconds. According to the document, Miller then threw the woman's laptop on the floor and stomped on it. And After pulling out some of her hair and throwing her onto a couch, he put both hands on her neck. She told the police she recorded some of the attack, and when she threatened to call police, Miller left. The woman also told police that she was six weeks pregnant and showed them a photograph of a positive pregnancy test and a screenshot of the text message conversation with Miller in which they discussed, you know, the possible due date of the child and a doctor's visit. Okay, taking a deep breath for a moment. Why, why would anybody do this? Look, I'm glad she's okay. I have to admit, right now there's a lot I want to say, but I can't, because I'm trying to keep this show as clean as possible. Excuse me, I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. Look, I'm sorry I don't know what it is but violence against pretty much anybody but especially pregnant women is just one of the worst things and of course now I'm reacting as if the story is completely accurate keep in mind there's always a the possibility she's not being honest but it just it looks bad with the police reports and the marks on her neck and everything else it just it looks bad for Miller but you know what's even crazier on the 2nd of December she started recanting the story yes you heard that right The woman told WFAA, quote, no one assaulted anyone. This is insane and sad. There's just one problem. The police report says otherwise. They documented she has abrasions. She's got bruises on her neck, her abdomen, her hand, and her arm. So the fans and the commenters online, they're finding her recanting really hard to believe. And she's now facing accusations of suffering what's called battered wife syndrome, where a woman will change her story after an incident to downplay it. This is a real thing. And also accusations of, quote, realizing how much money she'll lose by breaking up with Miller are being thrown around. Whatever the case, I'm really hoping that she and her kids stay safe, because this just doesn't sound like a healthy relationship, because either he's hurting her or she's hurting herself to frame him. It's just it's not good either way. All right, for our next story, we're sticking with the NFL, but you know what else is not good? Getting leveled by a football player. And you're the referee. We
0: are coming over tonight.
1: A sideline official at an NFL game has had his leg brutally broken in a collision with a player back on the 3rd of December. Midway through the second quarter of the battle between the New Orleans Saints and the Detroit Lions, Saints running back Alvin Kamara ran the ball left and he was pushed over the sidelines by the Lions defenders. Pretty standard play. But he appeared to land on the official's lower legs and they both crashed to the ground. All right, fair warning. If you're squeamish, don't go looking at this video. It's actually been mostly removed anyway. Cameras caught the official screaming in agony, clutching at his leg, which was bent at this horrific angle before the camera cuts away. The game was paused for several minutes while the official was attended to on the sidelines and he was stretchered away. A statement from the NFL said, a member of the chain crew was injured and will not return. The chain crew will operate with one fewer member for the rest of the game. Now, the chain crew is also known as the chain gang and they operate the three poles that Show the forward line, the rear line, and the line of scrimmage on the sidelines of the NFL game, so they can calculate downage. And although Kamara would go on to score two touchdowns and rush 51 yards, the Lions went on to win this battle, 33 to 28. Fans were very critical of the running back Kamara. If you if you can catch catch this on the video, so he hits the referee, ref, he's on the ground, he's screaming in pain. Things are just not at the right angles that they should be. Kamara gets up, looks down at the referee, and then turns around and walks away. People started calling him out for a lack of compassion. I mean, the game is still going. They hadn't called timeout at this point, and he probably had to get back on the field. It's just the visual of his walking away doesn't give people happy, warm feelings. No word yet on the referee's status, so we're watching for that one as well, and we'll update as we learn more about it so now we're going to go ahead and skate over to the national hockey league for more referee drama no one got hurt this time but look sometimes hockey officials are kind of like exasperated parents of unruly kids and they've just had enough officials at the hockey game on november 27th between the ottawa senators and the florida panthers essentially ejected every player on the ice after defusing this large fight that just kept reigniting between different players. Referee Garrett Rank announced that all 10 skaters on the ice during the third period fight were going to be giving 10-minute misconduct penalties. Y'all know you done messed up when you get ejected at the end of the game. There was only seven minutes left in the game, so these were all essentially ejections.
0: Game over, man. It's game over.
1: So the melee started when the Panthers' Dmitry Kulikov Slammed into Ottawa's Brady Kuchuk into the boards. Like, literally just slams them into the wall, causing both teams to rush in and they all just started swinging. As officials stood in between several players, they attempted to throw punches past the refs at the players. They're literally being held against the wall by these referees and they're still swinging past the faces. I mean, they're little reaching out, just trying to, you know, take a punch at each other. Let me get them. Let me get them. It legitimately looked like that, too. The Panthers were leading by four goals at the time, and the two teams played shorthanded for the rest of the way as Florida skated to a 5-0 victory. The group of 10 players ejected for the fights were not even the only ones tossed from the game, because Senators forward Zach McEwen was ejected earlier in the third period. Let's have a listen to what happened in the aftermath.
0: You're going to get a two minutes for goaltender interference, two minutes for roughing. Florida number 12 has two minutes for roughing, and then every player on the ice has a 10-minute misconduct. Florida will have a two-minute power play.
1: And I don't remember the last time I saw
0: 10-minute misconduct handed out to everybody. I thought he gave me one there. He yeah. Was... <laughs> this is like he doesn't even want to go through the numbers and names. It no. just takes too much time. Everybody. That's <laughs> it. Everybody. We're not going to
1: sort out who's got a penalty, we'll just. Kicked everyone that was on the ice off. Even Paul Maurice, and as angry as he's been through this
0: game, he's actually starting to, to chuckle as the bench is thin out and there's plenty of room now
1: for everyone. The announcers were definitely having a good laugh over this one. And it really, it got so chippy that even a pair of brothers started exchanging words. Brady Kachuk and his older brother, Florida's Matthew Kachuk, were seen yapping at each other on the ice. The NHL does not proudly present family feud on ice. Now, meanwhile, their grandparents were in the stands and Grandma Geraldine was seen on the broadcast looking very unimpressed with the fight. Brady told the Associated Press later, I mean, I don't think it's bad to play with emotion. I think when this group plays with emotion, we're a tough team to beat. And I think we rely on our emotion and it shows that we care. It shows that we care about what we're doing here and about the guy next to us, unquote. Dude, you disappointed grandma. Feel ashamed. There were a total of 167 penalty minutes doled out by officials for this game. All right, enough of that mess. Let's go check out the entertainment news. So, for of this next story, there, there was some, some discussion behind the scenes about whether this should have been a sports story or not. I mean, Wrestling these days, that can kind of blur the lines between entertainment and sports entertainment and sports.
0: The five-star symbol of excellence for sports entertainers.
1: Thank you, Daddy Magic. Former WWE star Tammy Sitch, who is also known by the ring name of Sonny, has been sentenced to 17 years in prison plus 8 years of probation for her involvement in a DUI car crash that killed a 75-year-old man in Florida last year. Sitch's sentencing came three months after she pleaded no contest to DUI manslaughter. Driving while her license was suspended, four counts of DUI with damage to person, and two counts of DUI with damage to property. Holy crap, what happened? I remember Sonny from when I was younger watching wrestling. In March of 2022, Sitch crashed her car into another vehicle who was driven by Julian Fran Lassiter, who was stopped at a red light over in Ormond Beach, Florida. A Lassiter's vehicle was pushed into another vehicle and he died from his injuries. Sitch's blood alcohol content at the time of the crash was between 0.32 and 0.36, which is, for those who don't know, four times the legal limit, according to the local police reports. She admitted to drinking vodka and even had an open bottle of vodka in the car with her. So Sitch was arrested in May of 2022, and this was four months after she had been released from an eight-month prison sentence for a previous DUI. So she gets out. Two months later, she causes this DUI manslaughter incident, and two months later she's rested again so the prosecutors sought this maximum penalty of 26 years in prison calling her a danger to society because of her repeat offenses so in court Sitch asked the judge Karen Foxman for another chance and pointed to all the work that she's done to bring happiness through her time at the WWE now for reference Sonny joined the WWE back in 1995. She's actually considered widely to be the first WWE diva and was inducted into the Hall of Fame back in 2011. Well, that might have helped her case, but not completely because like, that she did get sentenced to 17 years in prison. And she did receive credit for the 566 days that she has served in the Volusia County Branch Jail. Now, over at CBS, we have Stephen Colbert, host of the CBS Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And he announced that he had to cancel his show for at least a week as he's recovering from surgery for a ruptured appendix. Colbert said in a statement through the show's various social media accounts, quote, sorry to say that I have to cancel our shows this week. I'm sure you're thinking turkey overdose, gravy boat capsize. Actually, I'm recovering from surgery from a ruptured appendix. I'm grateful to my doctors for their care and to Evie and the kids for putting up with me. Going forward, all emails to my appendix will be handled by my pancreas, unquote. The announcement comes a year after Colbert shared that he had tested positive for COVID-19 resulting in production of his show to be postponed as he recovered from that illness. The canceled week slate of The Late Show was set to feature Jennifer Garner and Barbara Streisand, Kelsey Grammer, Patrick Stewart, and the former show band leader and musical director Jean-Baptiste, according to CBS News. Colbert has been the host of The Late Show since 2015 after a nine-year stint as the host of Comedy Central's The Colbert Report. Speedy recovery, Mr. Colbert. I'm glad we caught that one in time. Here's a feel-good story for some of my older listeners. There are child stars and then there are performers that start working during childhood only to become bona fide, beloved screen icons, enjoying long, varied careers throughout their lives. Following in the footsteps of Shirley Temple, Natalie Wood, and Mickey Rooney, Macaulay Culkin has, for three decades and counting, been a contemporary standard bearer for that personal and professional journey. Now, Culkin became a full-fledged cultural phenomenon after the explosive commercial success of his fifth film, 1990's Home Alone, which he made when he was just 10 years old. There's an iconic sound for you. That film grossed $476 million worldwide, due in part to his mischievous yet vulnerable performance as Kevin McAllister. But beginning in his teenage years, Culkin began seeking projects that just kind of picked his artistic interest, rather than sustaining his immediate and colossal celebrity. So even without any expectation for those subsequent efforts to reach that same stratospheric heights as his earlier breakthrough, his star wattage It just kind of barely flickered. But December 1st, his enduring appeal was cemented literally on the sidewalks of Hollywood as he received a star on the Walk of Fame. And there to congratulate him was his on-screen mom from the beloved franchise, Catherine O'Hara. She said on Friday that the reason Home Alone was and is so beloved is because of Colkin. She said it is Macaulay's perfect performance as Kevin that gave us that little every boy on an extraordinary adventure. She said, I know you worked really hard, but you made acting look like it was the most natural thing in the world to do. It's a sign of intelligence in a child and a key to surviving life at any age. And from what I see, you have brought that sense of sweet yet twisted, yet totally relatable sense of humor to everything that you have chosen to do since Home Alone. Thank you for including me, your fake mom, who left you home alone not once but twice, to share in this happy occasion. I am so proud of you, she said. Okay, well now I'm tearing up. That was a great mom moment. Also in attendance at the ceremony on Friday were Culkin's partner Brenda Song, siblings Rory and Quinn, and his friends Paris Jackson and Seth Green. And yes, I did say Paris Jackson. Paris, the daughter of Michael Jackson, is apparently Macaulay Culkin's goddaughter. Yeah, you know, he's her godfather. That's right. For didn't even know that. That's something I learned. So Macaulay gave this really emotional speech at the the Walk of Fame unveiling, which he concludes by thanking his partner, Brenda, and gives a very Kevin-esque type of twist to the speech. Let's listen. Uh, I'd like to thank Brenda. You are absolutely everything. Um, uh, you're my champion. You're... You're the only person happier for me today than I am. (laughs) Um, You're not only the best woman I've ever known, you're the best person I've ever known. Uh, You've given me just all my purpose. You've given me family. Um, You know, and after the birth of our two boys, you become one of my three favorite people. But um, I love you. I love you so much. Um, so yeah, to, to wrap things up, uh, and in the spirit of the holiday season, I just want to say, uh, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. And here's a little bit of Hollywood trivia. His partner, Brenda, that he thanks in the speech is actually well known for her part in the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody from 2005 to 2011. She played, she played the part of London Tipton, the socialite that lived at the hotel. Absolutely moving speech. It was—you could hear so much emotion in his voice, and a lot of people kind of tripped out, like they've never really heard him talk normally, especially as an adult, just because he's—he's he's kind of remain in the background. He does some social media stuff, and he makes fun of himself, which is still absolutely hilarious. But uh, absolutely well deserved Walk of Fame edition there. So let's go ahead and talk about something else though, and we're gonna switch over to kind of a YouTuber thing. YouTuber Olympian Trevor Jacob. 30 years old, American snowboard cross competitor, extreme sports athlete, YouTuber. uh, He does parachuting and he's a former light aircraft pilot. He represented the United States in snowboarding back in the 2014 Winter Olympics. Now, notice I said former pilot. Why? Well, here's the story. At the time of the story breaking, Jacob was 29 and was doing primarily just YouTube stuff. And in November of 2021, jacob left a santa barbara california airport on a solo flight and he had cameras mounted all over his plane now along with the cameras jacob took a parachute with him as well as a selfie stick he quote did not intend to reach his destination but instead planned to eject from his aircraft during the flight and video himself parachuting to the ground as his aircraft descended and crashed and this is according to the u.s attorney's office for the central district of california So, the plane crashed into the Los Padres National Forest 35 minutes after takeoff. Jacob hiked to the site and recovered the camera footage. So, December, following this incident, and I'm sorry, I'm not calling this an accident, Jacob posted the video of the plane crash to YouTube, December 2021. And as of right now, I think it has over 3 million views to date, or at least close to it. It's called, I crashed my airplane, and it's still online. Um, it it was never taken down the former competitive snowboarder ejected from his 1940 Taylor Craft plane 35 minutes after the takeoff and in the video the propeller just stops Jacob wearing snow uh, this skydiving gear opens the door of the plane and uh, just jumps So, the recovered footage shows that Jacob lands with just a couple of scrapes and the plane is shown crashing into the mountains. So, some YouTuber viewers were skeptical of this crash and noted that Jacob was already wearing the parachute. He made no attempt to land the plane safely. I consulted with a pilot that I know, and he literally says, okay, so your propeller stops working. The plane's not going to just lose altitude immediately. It's going to start floating downwards. You're going to ride the current. There is a way to recover and land safety, safely. So Jacob reported the crash to the National Transportation Safety Board, who said, you, dude, you're responsible for preserving the wreckage. So according to a plea agreement, Jacob later claimed he didn't know the location of the site, but he did. And on December the 10th, he returned by helicopter with a friend, and they secured and removed the wreckage. Jacob then drove the wreckage to a city airport and unloaded it in a hangar where he cut it up and destroyed the evidence. And over the next few days, he deposited the detached parts of the wrecked plane into various trash bins at the airport and elsewhere. The YouTuber also lied to an FAA safety investigator, investigator, excuse me, about the plane's engine quitting and that he was unable to find a place to safely land the plane. The FAA revoked his pilot's license back in April of 2022. So here comes June 30th of 23, Jacob has agreed to plead guilty to one felony count of destruction and concealment with the intent to obstruct a federal investigation, which carried a maximum sentence, I think he said, of 20 years in federal prison. In the plea agreement, Jacob said he agreed to promote a company's wallet in this YouTube video. So like the whole point of the slight was to promote this wallet, this Bitcoin thing for a client. um, So in exchange for money and ended up deciding I'm just going to crash my plane. In the sentencing memorandum, prosecutors said that Jacob most likely committed this offense to generate social media and news coverage for himself to obtain financial gain. So before the sponsorship deal, Jacob agreed to promote this company's wallet in a YouTube video that he would post. And it appears that Jacob exercised some pretty exceptionally poor judgment in committing this offense adding to the statement they said that this daredevil style of conduct just cannot be tolerated. So here comes Jacob. He's now been sentenced to six months, not years, months in a federal prison, which to me, okay, it seems like a really low sentence for something of this caliber. I would have expected at least a year, but you know, I'm not a lawyer or a judge, so I don't know the ins and outs. The best I can figure is that he didn't damage anybody else's personal property like he literally just damaged and destroyed his own plane so he didn't really waste anybody's time or resources for them to go to get the plane he went and got it himself okay so he lied to investigators and he tore up the plane and destroyed it and threw it away did he really hurt anybody else so i guess they took that all into consideration and the fact that the dude's an olympian so that may have had something to do with it i don't know so Six months in a prison for Trevor Jacobs because he crashed his plane and posted the video on YouTube for lulz. All right, guys, let's go download some gaming news, shall we? Grand Theft Auto has become this absolutely huge franchise. It started back in 1997 and as of 2020, the series consists of seven standalone titles and four expansion packs. The third main title, Grand Theft Auto 3, released back in 2001, is considered a landmark game. And it brought the series into the three-dimensional environment for the first time. The last full release title was GTA 5 back in 2013, so we're talking 10 years ago, along with GTA Online. That is hilarious to watch if you can catch some people playing this, especially if they're role-playing. It's fantastic. So it's safe to say the fans are kind of chomping at the bit for a new game. And it was alluded to back in February of 2022, but it wasn't until November of this year that we got the official news that a trailer would drop December 5th. But unfortunately for Rockstar, they sprung a leak. Just a few days before the much-anticipated arrival of the first trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6, There were some unverified reports of new leaks of the game that may have come from the son of a Rockstar employee. As reported by Eurogamer, the leaks appeared to have come from TikTok and claimed to show a few seconds of GTA 6. Now, GTABase.com, one of the more trusted accounts that covers Rockstar Games, shared that in a totally unexpected turn of events, it appears the leaked footage has come from the son of a Rockstar Games employee. The account continued on to say, It had seen no evidence of Rockstar taking down the video, but the evidence to suggest the video has come from someone related to the employee in question is fairly convincing. Now lastly, GTABase.com notes that it's possible that the photo being used as evidence is not the son of the employee or that the source of this leak is from a third party attempting to pose as such, you know, to get the guy in trouble. Hardcore fans and streamers denounce the leaks, calling it a shame, with one developer saying this effing sucks. And so, Rockstar ended up releasing the trailer, but they did it 15 hours earlier than it had planned because of the leakage. Now, the official trailer, 90 seconds long. Sun-drenched beaches and gleaming condominiums confirmed a return to Vice City, the sinful spin on Miami that the franchise first visited back in 2002. But the release date? 2025. So... We have, uh, we still got a little bit of waiting to do. So the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer, which is set to Love is a Long Road by Tom Petty, includes zooming speedboats and sports cars, fluttering dollar bills in a strip club, and a woman in fishnet stockings twerking on the roof of a moving vehicle. And the video showing the leaked footage was only seven seconds of footage, and it's already been removed. There's no word yet on the true ID of the leaker, so I do really wonder if it is a kid or somebody else. Now, as a large company like Rockstar or Bethesda, it's not expected for AAA video game makers to respond to negative reviews on Steam, but that's exactly what Bethesda has been doing for Starfield. As spotted by Project Zomboid developer Andy Hodgetts and flagged in a tweet, representatives of the Microsoft-owned company have been replying to the negative reviews on Valve's platform since early November, amid Starfield's mixed user review rating of 69%. Nice. Many of the negative reviews echo pretty common complaints with the sprawling space game, like this one posted November 6th from a player that has 56 hours in Starfield. Quote, Boring and overrated. There is a wide universe to explore, filled mostly with empty planets. I understand. They have to do that to sell you on the idea that this is a whole universe but that doesn't make the game more fun. You can land on any planet and explore the copy-pasted locations. You will see the exact same locations from one end of the universe to the other and everywhere in between. It's a hodgepodge of messy slapped-together mechanics, bloated skill trees, exploring, crafting, base building and RPG and FPS, a space opera. Starfield doesn't know what it wants to be. As wide as the ocean, but about as deep as a puddle you can explore everywhere but why would you want to do so Unquote. so this review posted on steam sparked a response from someone called Bethesda Kraken developer who signed off their post as coming from Bethesda customer support and it reads greetings thank you for taking the time to leave a review for Starfield we are sorry that you do not like landing on different planets and are finding many of them empty some of Starfield's planets are meant to be empty by design, but that's not boring. When the astronauts went to the moon, there was nothing there, and they certainly weren't bored. The intention of Starfield's exploration is to evoke a feeling of smallness in players and make you feel overwhelmed. You can continue to explore and find worlds that do not that have resources that you need or hidden outposts to look through. To provide feedback for development for Starfield, please feel free to submit your feedback, blah, 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 Bethesda customer support. Okay, so to me, that's a pretty stock response. And it's actually quoting Ashley Chang, who is Bethesda's managing director, who actually uttered the phrase, when the astronauts went to the moon, there was nothing there. They certainly weren't bored." And this was in a New York Times feature published ahead of Starfield's September launch. So while indie video game developers responding to their steam reviews all the time, big publishers like Bethesda rarely do this. So May, and these responses, however robotic, they're they're noteworthy. I mean, why would Bethesda bother? Well, it may be trying to steer Starfield's sentiment in a more positive direction, mindful of that troublesome mixed user review rating. Starfield is currently the lowest rating Bethesda game ever on Valve's platform. Fallout 76 had a rocky start, but they're currently at a mostly positive user review rating of 76. Just in case you were wondering, That was a pretty messy launch, wasn't it? Management will no doubt be keen to address that. But of course, there's a risk that comes from responding to negative reviews, especially when you use them to insist that landing on empty planets isn't boring. As one user put it, sure, the astronauts landed on the moon and there really wasn't anything there, but they had a checklist of things to do. They had a mission. It wasn't just some, hey, here's an empty spot. Let's land here. They had a purpose to being there. And that's a very big thing that some players are saying, go, okay, yeah, they landed somewhere. Give us something to do. Hey, you know, trigger some sort of random quest for this place, what have you. The studio already has a Starfield post-launch story expansion pack in the works, and they're calling it Shattered Space. Development chief Todd Howard told IGN in an interview ahead of the Starfield Direct that Bethesda plans to release a lot of add-on content for the space exploration game. I don't know if that's going to be enough. I mean, the core of the game is still going to be empty planets and the like. So we're going to be watching to see if they can recover from the reviews like No Man's Sky, or is it doomed to fail like Bioware's Anthem game? One thing that's not doomed, though, currently Fortnite, the constant adding of skins and characters from other franchises is keeping the game going strong. We reported last week about the addition of Eminem to the game, but one announcement that I was not prepared for? Peter freaking Griffin. The addition of Peter Griffin from Family Guy to Fortnite in chapter five, season one, has already got the community going. The spectacle of seeing a character like this, even in the wake of other Fortnite collabs, marks a new step forward for the game's popularity. Epic has clearly gone all out with this Peter Griffin skin, even to the point where his physique has been changed significantly so his hit boxes literally pay to lose so if you know the the character from family guy you know that peter griffin is a pretty big dude you know big obese man wandering around how is that going to translate into this battleground game so the fortnite twitter account recently shared an animation showing exactly how peter griffin went from dad bod to buff bod he is ripped i mean serious muscles The animation is in the Family Guy art style, and I will link to it below. It shows Meow Schools interacting with the hit show TV TV character. And for those who are are not in the know, Meow is an epic outfit in Fortnite that you could unlock by reaching like level 60 in Chapter 2, Season 2 Battle Pass. Meow is part of what they call the Swole Cat Set. Okay, in plain English, it's a cat skin, and he's super buff. All right. Anywho, the clip begins with Meow Skulls stamping fail on a physical examination form, which inspires Peter to try to flex his muscles, and it's pretty pathetic. There's just nothing there. So Meow Skulls then gives him two books describing how to get swole in 30 days or one hour, respectively, but Peter says no, and so then Meow Skulls hands Peter a slurp juice that he drinks. After, reguzz- after guzzling this recovery item here, Peter's form immediately changes to how he appears in the battle pass. Peter starts flexing his new muscles, and a rift opens up behind Meow schools so he jumps into it. And falls to the Fortnite Chapter 5 island, Peter releases a helicopter glider that features his nose, his hair, and his glasses. The helicopter glider and Peter Griffin skin are now, both available in the Battle Royale. Players will need to earn the experience points through playing and completing challenges in order to acquire both. Peter Griffin is unlocked at level 70, while the glider is a quest reward. Pretty freaking sweet. Even more impressively though, players, and this is, this is fantastic, I, I saw the video and I just started cackling. Players are already starting to discover some pretty unique animations for this skin, but one of the best ones occurs when a player using it dies. This is a throwback to Season 2, Episode 20 of Family Guy. Peter Griffin's character is running. He trips and he falls. The player will now drop to the floor and clutch their knee as they're killed in game. So, you know, don't get distracted by the animation. It's hilarious. Here's the sound you'll hear. Ah! 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 That takes me back. One player described the animation in the new skin as the best thing to happen to Fortnite since Ninja came out. Though there were also plenty of players who wanted the skin to have another animation for Peter's beaten up body, which is another reference to the show. And it typically is found after he has an incident with a chicken. Keep at it, guys. It might actually still happen. Now, finally, some not happy news from PlayStation users, for PlayStation users. PlayStation has begun emailing their players to inform them that due to content licensing arrangements or from The 31st of December, some Discovery content will actually be removed from a player's library, even if they paid for it. The statement, which says the change only affects Discovery content for now, doesn't exactly explain why the content's being removed, and it doesn't apologize for it. All it does is thank the players for their continued support. So, okay, I mean, this is a contract thing, and basically from what I'm getting out of this is that Sony and Discovery, Warner Brothers Discovery, are not going to have a contractual agreement anymore to this content. And because of that, Sony users are not going to be allowed to access Discovery content. And it sucks because these guys did pay for it. So as well as you could expect, the notification just hasn't gone down well with the PlayStation community. And some people are suggesting that, you know, hey, this is the reality of the all-digital future. Digital content, even content you pay for, is only ever licensed, which means the only way to preserve your favorite media is to physically buy it. And that's only if it's available physically in the first place. So although PlayStation didn't give a reason as to why the content was being withdrawn, some are suggesting it's because the network merged with Warner Brothers last year, and because of that, the licensing arrangements all just need to be revised and renewed, and then maybe in the middle of a contract negotiation, but it won't be done in time for the current contract to expire. Never had this problem with physical media, but with everything going digital now, we just don't have the control over our libraries like we used to. Curse you, online requirements. Anyway, let's go check out the box office.
0: It's time for the box office breakdown.
1: The Queen Bee's concert series was released this weekend. So was *Hunger Games*. Strong enough to hang on to number one? I your Baby, I can feel your head it no, it was not strong enough. And I'm I'm a, I'm a little surprised about this one. I do tend to forget how popular Beyonce is, and I forgot that she had a tour earlier this year. So. AMC Theater's distribution's follow-up to the global blockbuster Taylor Swift The Eras Tour is called Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. So this is a behind-the-scenes concert series, very similar to what Taylor Swift did. And this movie, it only brought in an estimated $21 that led the weekend, which might seem like a disappointment compared to Taylor Swift's film. But even so, audiences loved it and gave it an A-plus rating on CinemaScore, which is the same as The Eras Tour. Lion Gate's hit prequel, The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, took in second place with $14.5 million, which is down 50% from Thanksgiving weekend, but it brings its domestic total to $221 making the first movie since Five Nights at Freddy's back in October to cross the $100 million mark. Japanese studio Toho Entertainment took North American distribution into their own hands for the prequel, Godzilla Minus One. The making of a monster movie ended up with an estimated 11 million. DreamWorks Animation's Trolls Band Together in fourth with 7.6 million narrowly edged out Disney's Wish, which barely hung on to fifth place with 7.4 million. That's down 62% from last weekend. Look, it's almost, almost unheard of for a Disney animated movie to drop out of the top five in its second weekend, although. It's $41.9 million gross domestically in 10 days is really nothing to write home about. But you know what's coming this weekend? This one's got me excited. Japanese animation legend Hayao Miyazaki is returning with his latest, called The Boy and the Heron, and it's being released nationwide. Fun fact, three members of the English voice cast previously lent their voices to other English dubs of Studio Ghibli Films. My personal favorite was Christian Bale in Howl's Moving Castle. But also his returning, Willem Dafoe, he was in Tales from Earthsea, and finally, Mark Hamill, previously in Castle in the Sky and Nausicaä of the Valley of the Wind. This is Miyazaki's absolute final film, he promises. He had retired previously, but he came back one more time. He said this is his parting gift to his grandson, and he's been working on it, Since 2016, before he even got the green light to make the movie, he was making the movie. That's Miyazaki for you. That absolutely just warms my heart. I love Studio Ghibli's films. They're always fun. They're always amazing artwork. I have such an appreciation for the animation style. So I really, really am looking forward to seeing The Boy and the Heron. Okay, friends, let's go check out some odd news. And now for
0: something different.
1: The Manchester to Liverpool Ultra 50 is a 50-mile or 80-kilometer marathon running event that takes place every spring in England, and it has a 14-hour cutoff. You get 14 hours to run 50 miles. But this past April, we had a little bit of drama with the third-place finisher. Long-distance runner Joachia Zakrzewski represented Scotland in the marathon event at the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, and was found to have cheated during this race. Data from the tracking system at the GB Ultras Manchester to Liverpool showed that Jeff used a car for four kilometer stretch of the race. Well, that's a little bit of an oops now, isn't it? The 47-year-old was stripped of her third place finish and claimed she had informed race officials about having been in the car and finished the race in a non-competitive way. But the independent disciplinary panel of uk athletics disagreed with her in their verdict they stated the claimant had collected the trophy at the end of the race something which she should not have done if she was completing the race on a non-competitive basis she also did not seek to return the trophy in the weeks following the race so as a result not only did she lose her third place finish but she's now also been banned for 12 months by a uk athletics disciplinary body Cheaters never win, kids, especially in today's world of technology that can track you. You know, GPS. Crazy story, but this next one is even just a little bit crazier. Have you ever had a pounding headache and you just can't figure out where it comes from or what to do with it? Well, a pounding headache led to a shocking discovery for a man in Vietnam. After the source of his pain was revealed to be a pair of chopsticks. The guy experienced these severe headaches for like over 5 months and he finally went to the doctor and checked into the hospital on November the 25th. So they did a CT scan and it revealed that the man was suffering from a rare and potentially life-threatening neurological condition that was caused by a pair of chopsticks that had allegedly gone up his nose and all the way into his brain.
0: And you didn't comment on the chopsticks. I love the chopsticks. I I personally prefer a fork, but they look very nice.
1: (laughs) The Post reported that while the man was initially surprised at how the chopsticks ended up inside his skull, he did soon remember that he had a fight that he was involved in while he was out drinking five months prior. Kind of a rough night, but how do you not remember chopsticks going up your nose? The patient reportedly told doctors that he couldn't recall many details from the fight, but he did remember somebody stabbing him in the face with an unknown object. The surgeons were able to successfully remove the chopsticks, and the patient was said to be in stable condition waiting to be released from the hospital. Assault by chopstick. It's like the worst splinter ever. Glad he's okay and he's recovering, but you may want to lay off the drunken fights for just a little while. So we went over some stories involving an entourage getting out of hand. We had two teams getting ejected in hockey, an NFL ref that got here really hard. Kevin got a star. We had some GTA 6 leaks, and we had some weird behavior from Bethesda. Peter Griffin's now in Fortnite. We have a new queen at the box office, some chopsticks shenanigans, and more. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you, I include the links to all of my sources in the comments, so you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember guys, stay comfy in the Starter Zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun.
0: Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.